The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
right. Good evening. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our 7 o'clock City Commission meeting. Uh, I'll go ahead and call this meeting to order, and with that, I'll ask you to join me for a moment of silence before we move to Pledge of Allegiance and then roll call. Thank you. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. All right, next we will have a roll call. Commissioner Moody. Present. Commissioner O'Connor. Present. Commissioner Yasasi. Present. Commissioner Ruppart. Here. Commissioner Lanier. Present. And Mayor Bliss. Yes. And commissioners, can I get a motion to excuse uh, Commissioner Jones tonight? Vote. Support. Support. All right. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed? It carries. All right. Well, welcome to our commission meeting tonight. Uh, for those of you where this is your first time joining us, I'll walk you through a couple of the uh, processes for tonight. We do have four scheduled public hearings. So if you are here to be heard on the public hearing to consider past performance and future needs of the housing and community development programs, if you're here related to a public hearing related to Sagatuck Brewing, if you are here to um, speak on the project plan and issuance of bonds for Beacon Hill, or if you're here to hear um, to have an appeal for the special assessment nuisance roll 8762, I'm going to ask you to stay put, and I will open up those public hearings a little bit later on in the meeting. Uh, the first opportunity for public comment that I'll open up momentarily is public comment related specific to, uh, specifically to an action item that we're voting on tonight. Uh, and then at the end of the meeting are, is an opportunity to speak on any other item. So with that, I'd like to introduce our translator. Uh, if you need assistance with translation services, you are welcome to ask for assistance. Good evening. We're pleased to provide a Spanish interpretation services this evening. This includes interpretation during the, evening, during the meeting and for those who want to provide public comment. If you're interested in this service, please visit the table outside the, the commission chambers. Buenas noches. Estamos complacidos de proveer servicios de interpretación en español esta noche. Esto incluye interpretación durante la reunión y para aquellos que quieren proveer comentario público. Si están interesados, interesados en este servicio, por favor de visitar la mesa fuera de la Cámara de Comercio. Gracias. Thank you. So we'll open up the first opportunity for public comment. Again, this is um, specific to action items that we're taking tonight or items that we're voting on that we voted on earlier today. A couple things that we ask is that you state your name. The city that you live in will give you up to three minutes to speak. For this first opportunity, we ask that you be explicit about what action item you're referring to. Uh, again, we ask you also to take a look at the rules that are posted up there. Those are procedures for this space. We want to make sure that this is a safe space for everyone to speak regardless of what you want to share with us. So we ask that you comply with a couple things. We ask that you refrain from swearing, name calling, or making derogatory comments directed towards a person's race, religion, or nation of, nation of origin. Um, again, we want to make sure that regardless of why you're here and the opinion you want to share, that you feel safe sharing it with this body. Uh, so with that, I'll open up the first opportunity for public comment uh, if you want to speak on an action item tonight. 
I should also remind you, our city clerk, Mr. Miller, are you coming up? Uh, our city clerk asked that you put your name on a clipboard, which is over to the side, just so that we have your name accurately written in our minutes. Very pleasant good evening, everyone. Watchdog Miller reporting uh, to the House of the People. Let's get to work. Eight, one, and two. Uh, uh, in the, in the next period, I kindly accord proper respect to uh, Christopher Columbus. Uh, I'll have uh, a full report on it in a coming coming meeting. But uh, please tell us. Uh, last last year, he was disrespected. Please tell us which Indian precisely discovered America on Oct on October twelfth, nine B S nine B five. Why hasn't the Hispanic Center demanded uh, bus lanes both ways on Granville? Every time we get a chance to, to every time it's on an agenda, and they've come in for many a project, much project money over the years. Uh, it's a mess out there, and now uh, uh, Route 3 has been stolen. It runs out of Granville all the way to Rivertown. Ridiculous. Uh, uh, the, the three has been running Lafayette, uh, Lafayette Madison uh, as horse rails going back to 18, 1887. Uh, so uh, you need bus lanes on, on Granville. It's just not about, the, about them grabbing uh, uh, various deals for their cronies. Uh, so that was 9B5. Uh, also, we have uh, one on, on 4th Street. Uh, so uh, Hispanic. The Hispanic item is specifically on climate change. We need bus lanes uh, uh, if we're going to do something about the climate change. And uh, even though it was a mild summer, uh, the, the lows are, are higher than ever in history. 9C1 uh, opposed. Uh, uh, we need to bring back our, our city buses, uh, Catholic, about eight or nine routes. Uh, black down to four routes because so, you guys aren't paying attention. As I, just, I think I may have mentioned, the three has been stolen and goes out to Rivertown. Like, oh, you guys are sleeping. The four routes go to Rivertown, uh, and uh, the double the routes out 44th Street and cut out uh, service on Byron Center, which we veterans need uh, to get out there. Uh, nine uh, C4, uh, 4th Street. Uh, the 18 was viciously dropped uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's been running, I would say, since you guys went to referendum, uh, a massive, rapid uh, millage referendum to improve service on the, on the west side. So before doing favors on 4th Street, uh, kind of bring back Route 18, which ran uh, Stocking, Walkie, Valor, Tremont. You've got no bus service in Union High School now. It's our biggest high school. By, by enrollment, you, you run... Uh, 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 meetings out there. Thank you very much, ma'am, for uh, the ride home last time. Uh, and 9C4. Mr. Miller, time's up. Thank you. Thanks. Others who wish to be heard on action items tonight, so these are items that we're voting on. All right, seeing none, I'm going to close that opportunity for public comment, and that will take us to approval of the minutes. And this is minutes from our meeting on August 24th. Can I get a motion? Hello. Support. All right, moved and supported. Commissioners, any questions or comments? All right. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Oh, it carries. The public comment period is, is closed. Next, <laughs> that'll take us to Mr. Miller. She's a senior citizen. Next is petitions and communications. 
uh, communications, or five of them, received in support of a resolution to achieve community-wide carbon neutrality. That is received and filed. Next is reports of city officers. Uh, comptroller's report for the period of August 11, 2021 through August 31, 2021, in the amount of $56,649,270.68. That is received and filed. And treasurer's report for the period of August 11, 2021 through August 27, 2021. And that is also received and filed. All right, next that will take us to our consent agenda. These are items that we voted on earlier today where there was unanimous support. So tonight with one voice vote, those items will be adopted. Can I get a motion for consent agenda? Support. Moved and supported. Commissioners, any questions or comments? All right, seeing none. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? It carries. All right, commissioners, that will take us to our scheduled public hearings tonight because we don't have any ordinances before us. So we have, as I indicated, we have four scheduled public hearings tonight. The first one is a public hearing to consider past performance and future needs of housing and community development programs. Uh, so I'll start this with having, uh, is Connie coming up or Aaron? Aaron is. All right, so we'll start with uh, an update from city staff, and then if you are here tonight to be heard on this item, I'll open it up for public comment after that. Good evening. Tonight is an opportunity for citizens to comment on two different issues related to housing and community development programs supported with federal community development block grant, home investment partnerships, and emergency solutions grant program funds. The first area is program performance compiled in the draft federal fiscal year 2020 consolidated annual performance and evaluation report. This report known as the CAPER contains both financial and programmatic information for activities carried out from July 1, 2020 through June 30 of 2021. During this time, approximately $3.1 million in CDBG, $1.1 million in home, and $300,000 of ESG funds were expended on projects. These projects supported at least one of the following seven outcomes under the neighborhood investment strategy. Improve the condition of existing housing, increase the supply of affordable housing, improve access to and stability of affordable housing, reduce blight and code violations, increase civic invade excuse me, civic engagement and public safety, enhance infrastructure and public facilities, or increase access to jobs, education, and other services. The second area is to identify housing and community development needs for future program planning. Comments will be considered in connection with the new regional consolidated housing and community development plan for annual investments during its five-year implementation period. The draft caper has been available for review online and in the Community Development Department since September 2nd. And in addition to this public hearing, citizens may provide written comment through this week, Friday, September 17. Written comments can be sent to communitydev, that's spelled C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y-D-E-V at grcity.us. And then the final consolidated annual performance and evaluation report will be submitted to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development by September 28th. Great. Thank you, Erin. Uh, commissioners, any questions for Erin? All right. 
seeing none, if you want to stay put in case we have any. So if you wish to be heard on this item, so this again is very specific to the past performance and future needs of the housing and community development programs, you're welcome to come on up. Again, the same rules apply. We ask that you share your name, the city that you live in, and you'll be given up to three minutes to speak. Good evening, Mayor and City Commissioners, and uh, Mark Washington, our City Manager. My name is Annette Vandenberg, and I'm the Director for the West Grand Neighborhood Organization. And Chai Benedict is with us tonight. She is the creator of what is inside our box. And we're very excited because this past year we've been able to, with, in partnership with the city, um, in partnership with Swift Printing and many other organizations, been able to uh, carry out programs such as our West Side Community Cleanup, our NAC guide, which was uh, sent out during Neighborhood Summit, and most recently, our Community Preparedness Resource and Disaster Preparedness Guide. These guides will help enable residents who don't have access to technology to be able to connect with our city officials on issues that concern them, and also connect them to resources that they may not otherwise know about. Many of these resources are only available online, and so by having this printed for them, they will be able to call these numbers uh, directly from their homes. And this weekend and next weekend, we will be sending out 20 volunteers each weekend to distribute 7,000 books. Wow. So <laughs> um, we're really excited about this opportunity. This, the books were in partnership with the city's COVID CARES grant, Enhanced Communications. And so we wanted to make sure that we got this out to you tonight. In addition to that, we distributed in 2020 1,853 safety bags, which you have a, an example of that in your packet. We also distributed in 20, just this year, 2021, 4,655 safety bags. In partnership with Grand Rapids Police Department and other neighborhood organizations such as NECA, East Hills, Baxter, Heritage Hill, Noble, Creston, we were able to um, work on reducing motor vehicle theft this summer. And that program was done with DICE information and the police department was able to share that information with you more. I think I have like a minute left. Um, so in that, we've been very busy, as you can tell, and we've been able to partner with various organizations throughout the city and throughout the West Side. For that, we thank you for your time and for supporting our work. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this with us. All right, others to wish to be heard. Again, this is really specific to past performance and future needs of the housing and community development programs. Hi, my name is Martha Cooper. Um, yeah, so... I sure hope I'm doing this in the right place. So I'd like to talk about past performance and future needs of housing, especially since I've been up here since I think it was 2016, talking about affordable housing. Um, I just understand that this morning at the committee of the whole meeting, we were talking about starting up the affordable housing fund. I actually had no idea that when they folded the land bank, the county land bank, and they did it in a really shady manner the day before Christmas with no explanation of why they were shutting it or where any of the money went. Um, that At that time, it was not made public, at least I didn't know about it, that, we, that the affordable housing fund that had started in 2015, I believe it was, um, was basically just folded and nobody ever paid any attention to it. It didn't even exist. People weren't funding it. There wasn't anything, nothing, just absolutely gone. And so now we're coming up with a new one and we're going to have a board and we're going to 
have all of these ways that we fund it. One of them was sales of public land. Well, public land has been sold since then, and none of that money went into any affordable housing. I'm just sickened by the fact that when the land bank shut, so did the affordable housing fund. The problem didn't go away. The effort went away. What never has happened yet is in a concerted effort on the part of the city, the county, and the state to take care of this problem. But if they're going to come together for funding for a drain and millions of dollars for an aquarium, I mean, these aren't anything that this, that I've been up here for a long time hearing what the community is asking for. You've done nothing. It's immoral what you're doing and how you're doing it. You're not calling people that live here, people like me, stakeholders when I can't move if I needed to, because there's been nothing done on affordable housing and there is no fund, but you're gonna start that fund up again. I'm just sick about it. I know you don't wanna hear from me. I'd really rather not still be up here. You don't want me to call you names or say disparaging things, but I'm like, hey dude, I'm getting old and nothing's happening. I don't have any place to go, Mayor Bliss. I want some leadership. If you don't have a vote for what goes on the agenda, you could at least act like a leader. Thank you, Marketha. Your time is up. Others wish to be heard, and again, this is on the past performance and future needs of housing and community development programs, so that's our Often we refer to it as CDBG funding. Hi. Hi, Madam Mayor and, and commissioners and others. Good evening. I'm Kimmy Spring. I'm the community organizer for the Creston Neighborhood Association. Um, we're in Ward 2, and for those of you that don't know, we are the largest neighborhood um, in Grand Rapids with somewhere around 27,000 residents. We have yet to check the new census numbers so we can be more updated, but... Um, Grande. Um, and I just wanted to testify over with a quick story with something we've been doing at Creston with our CDBG COVID grant. Um, that's a special grant. We also get other CDBG funding from the city to do work, especially around neighbors being safer and, um, and connecting neighbors and, and opening the door to communication. Um, so we've been going door to door surveying neighbors and one of our questions is about being prepared or not for a weather related emergency. And most people just go, no, I'm not prepared. <laughs> but other people say yes. And I'm like, yay, you know, can you share that with me? Cause I want to share it with other neighbors. But then the answers we've gotten typically are, um, yes, we're prepared. We have lots of candles. And I'm like, well, that is excellent. You're on your way. Um, but more than that, we get, we're get we prepared because we'll just get in the car and drive to mom's house. And so I'm like, ooh, yeah, you can do that sometimes, but mm, sometimes you can't. Um, so it's clear to us that people need a lot more education just on what is the what the city does when there's an emergency and what they need to be prepared for. Um, so we've teamed up with um, Allison. Farrell, I believe it's pronounced, I've only called her Allison, 
Um, and we've had we developed a curriculum. Um, it's kind of a lengthy course. It's over an hour and a half. Um, but we also show how to an assemble an emergency kit. So it has everything from like a battery or hand cranked radio, so we can actually get information if our cell phones die. Um, a camp stove, you know, water you can actually drink um, if, it, if you've had it in your basement for you know eight ten months. Um, but anyway, there's definitely a need for that, and this is part of um, the grant to identify, ask you know a various number of questions, but then identify five areas where kind of the majority of neighbors. Um, need some resources. So that could be just knowing what to do if they're um, going to be evicted and they need to, to know how to get connected with anti-eviction efforts. So um, this is the kind of climate change um, education that we need and we're doing at Creston and we're hoping the city embraces that as well. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Kim, appreciate that. All right, others who wish to be heard? Hi, good evening. My name's Lou. I'm from the second ward. I originally came to speak towards the end about defunding GRPD, but this all plays in. Um, so I'd like to discuss the city's response to the housing crisis here in Grand Rapids. Colder weather is coming. I reminded you all of this at the last meeting. We are going to be seeing snow soon. It's going to be cold. There's a lot of people out on the streets. Um, we still have countless individuals who are unhoused in our community. Um, so I don't think from what I've heard so far that anything's been done since I last spoke at the last meeting. Um, but just to touch on that again, seasonal shelters are not a solution to homelessness. Shelters are not a solution to homelessness. Homes are a solution to homelessness, getting bodies in homes. We have many of vacant buildings and we have many of vacant homes that could be put in place for people to live in, not corporations to buy and turn into unrealistic affordable housing. A two bedroom for $1,100 a month is not affordable housing. I have a master's degree and I don't wanna pay that much for a one bedroom, let alone a two bedroom and have to support a family. Um, also at the last city commission meeting, the hot team was briefly brought up. The hot team is the homeless out team homeless outreach team for Kent County for Grand Rapids. The hot team is not welcoming or safe to many of our, many of our unhoused neighbors. Um, having law enforcement dressed in uniform is not comforting. It's not safe to many of the residents in our community who are experiencing homelessness. When someone is in a mental health crisis, a substance-induced crisis, a housing crisis, just not having a good day, they don't need law enforcement coming up to them. The homeless outreach team going through Kent Trails has not been helpful. Oftentimes residents feel as though they're being harassed. If you don't pick up your trash from the campsites, if you don't pick up your trash, we're going to sweep you just like we did Heartside last winter. We know that wasn't a solution. Sticking a social worker on the hot team is also not a solution. I met her this winter at Heartside Park and again while relocating individuals from Heartside Park. I questioned her ethics, Mayor Bliss, just like I questioned yours to months ago when I first started speaking at these because it's unethical to keep people out in the winter. We need to find a solution. Winter's coming again. This isn't ethical. 
our city continues to put money into social zones, continues to put money into the wealthy east side. No, put money into all of your residents. We all live here. We all have a voice. So I'm hoping that maybe some of this will resonate with you and that as a whole commission, you can check your ethics and see what you're doing for this community because you hold a lot of power and you need to be able to use it. Thank you. Others wish to be heard? Hello, uh, my name is Christian. <clears throat> I'm from Grand Rapids, I think the third ward now. Um, let me reiterate that the uh, past um, efforts by the Grand Rapids uh, City Commission and other agencies that deal with housing have been inefficient to deal with the housing crisis that we have. And in my opinion, during the pandemic that exploded after um, evictions were happening, even in Grand Rapids. Um, I'd also like to uh, reiterate the fact that like many other issues um, in Grand Rapids and other cities nationwide, um, housing and housing crises typically affect people of color um, at the majority of the time. And especially in Grand Rapids, it does. I walk around Grand Rapids and I see many homeless people of color I mean, houses, people of color walking around trying to sell art that they make because they can't afford a food or somewhere to stay. I also like to uh, thank Martha for bringing up the fact that, um, bringing up that uh, report that uh, the land bank ended and so did the housing fund that came with it. And I think it just reiterates the fact that this city commission, among many other city commissions around the United States um, and around many agencies around Grand Rapids, don't care about affordable housing. Just making a board up and saying you're going to do something about it is great. I love that. Thanks for trying to do something. But when we have a housing crisis that we have right now, and it's exploding even further because of the continuance of the pandemic, you guys don't care. If you cared, you wouldn't be making, you wouldn't be um, uh, approving projects that have housing that cost up to two thousand dollars for a two-bedroom in Grand Rapids. You wouldn't be trying to only attract white, liberal, educated rich people to Grand Rapids as a growing city. You would be focusing on wards, wards that Nathaniel Moody, um, who's falling asleep over there, care, uh, I mean, uh, represent where affordable housing is a crisis because many of the houses in that ward are aging, are starting to fall apart. Many of those people are exploited by landlords who raise prices of rent to skyrocket, to reach prices up to $2,000, $300,000 when they when they're still have a uh, minimum wage job that they can't afford that on. 15, 20 years ago, a, a one-bedroom apartment cost $600. And the minimum wage hasn't gone up. It may have gone up in Michigan, but it's still not enough to, to go up with the $2,000 apartments we have in Grand Rapids. I'm calling on the city commission to do their job, which I know in the past they haven't done, and they still continue not to do so, but to do their job. Get off your phones, stop looking at your computers, listen to the people when they speak. Do your job. Others wish to be heard? Hi, my name is Rosabel and I'm an unhoused member of the community currently trying to uh, fix that problem for myself. And uh, like my colleagues have mentioned, the, the rent prices here are astronomical. Um, the rent that I do find is from properties owned by Rockford Construction that they are letting just kind of, you know, fall apart. They're not going to fix these things because their plan is to level those neighborhoods to create more 
uh, more apartments that are just going to keep rising. Um, I have plenty of friends that are living in apartments that they could barely afford now on their job working over 40 over 40 hours a week with two people to three people to a housing and they still can't afford that rent. They are still struggling to eat. They're still struggling to do the things that they want to do. Um, and it's just like a, it's a rent crisis. It, it feels intentional when somebody increases your rent by a hundred dollars when you're already struggling. Um, you know, I, I, I can't comment on what you guys are or aren't doing because I'm too busy, like, struggling to feed myself, to find housing. And the fact that people are still on the streets and people are still struggling to get into these housings shows that not enough is being done. Nothing will ever be enough until everybody's off of these streets. And we should be focusing on that. Our citizens, like Lou said, winter's coming. People are going to die. People are going to die. And although I am on the house, I am out there trying to feed these people and do what I can. And I can't do much. I need everybody in the city to help. And you guys signed up for this job to do that. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you want to pat yourself on the back for. Like, it's good if you are doing positive things. I really appreciate that. But again, nothing can ever be done enough until everybody's off the street, until people can actually live the lives that they want to live and not just survive every day. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Others who wish to be heard? Hi, my name is Allie. I'm the president of Just for Black Lives. I wasn't planning on speaking about this issue, but it's very important. Last year, my organization, amongst many other organizations, had to watch the Grand Rapids Police Department throw unhoused community members' property into the garbage. And me, personally, I had to... I was forced to actually take part in throwing unhoused community members things in the garbage. And it's honestly a perfect representation of how the city treats the unhoused community. Women and youth do not have anywhere to go. Youth, there's, there's only a youth drop off. They can't stay the night or anything. And the fact that you guys constantly bring up the hot team, the hot team that does absolutely nothing. There's organizations that don't get paid for this, that do much more than every single one of you have done for the unhoused community. And it's sad. And like people have been saying, winter is coming. It is Michigan. It is cold. People are going to die. And what are you guys going to do about it? Affordable housing is one thing. That's great. That's amazing. But accessibility in order to get in these affordable housing programs, I have tried myself. And I have, if it wasn't for my mom, I'd be fucking, oh, excuse me. Sorry, if it wasn't for my mom, I'd be homeless right now. And not everybody has that support system to bring them in or not everyone has the means to stay with someone else. And that's a problem. I know people that are literally moving out of state because the, because the prices here are too expensive. We don't make enough money. You're expected to make three times the amount of rent. How is that possible when we're barely getting paid anything? It's not. We need to do better with our unhoused community members. I feel like you guys are so worried about putting in the next thing that will attract tourists. You're not worried about the people that actually live here. And it'd be actually amazing if you use the extra funding that you would get from tourists to put into affordable housing. That's a great idea. Because 
like I, like I said, last year, I had to watch the Grand Rapids Police Department throw people's things in the garbage. And the Grand Rapids Police Department threatened to arrest people that were helping and doing what they asked them to do. Not only that, dur during a pandemic, on top of all of that, and then you guys lied about the Kent County Health Department ordering, having an order for removal. The lady that did the inspection said she would have never done that. Why? Because we're in a pandemic. Just do better. People are going to die if you don't do anything. And that's going to be on your conscience. That blood is going to be on your hands. Do something about it. All right. Others wish to be heard? So, Mr. Miller, this is about CDBG funding and housing funding. I beg your pardon? I said I want to be clear that this is the public hearing for the CDBG and housing funding. It was a real classy move you made uh, with... Mr. Miller, don't What's talk to name? them. You're the talking to us. Speaker. Mr. Miller, you talk to uh, us. Don't don't talk to the watchdog, crowd. Watchdog Miller back. Uh, uh, honored to follow uh, such great Americans as Kim Spring and, and Chai Benedict. Who, uh, Mr. Miller, don't, do not, do not. They spoke before, okay? But you know what? Look, You're everybody not else is all over people. the tent. Now, uh, all over the map. Uh, index. Uh, every year I demand an index on the... Uh, on the caper compendium, did you put an index back back of the book so we could research such thing as, as smoking? Uh, you've got to take a look at uh, Grandview Apartments. Nine floors there. If you're in uh, room uh, 910, then every single neighbor below you uh, uh, is, is a smoker. You're rooming with smokers, 8, 10, 7. You, I see you've done nothing to ban smoking, although uh, Commissioner Lanier did, did promise it. Uh, it's never on the agenda. And what goes on the agenda is important because eventually uh, on uh, Manager Washington's agenda, uh, and he's Mr. Led Miller, this, meetings is a, this is about housing and community development programs. This is about you this getting is, the record straight. This is a uh, scheduled smoke. public hearing. Uh, so I that just handled smoke. Uh, tents. Uh, what uh, tents have been brought up? What really infuriated you was the tents were visible. From far I could see their colors blue, purple, uh, maybe not purple, but uh, green. Anyway, you could see the tent personally, and somebody ordered them down because they're visible. If, the, uh, if these Ms. guys had just been in, in sleeping bags, you never would have gone viciously after them as you did with. Okay, all right, Mr. Miller, your time's up. You're not speaking to this item. This is a very explicit public hearing. No, Mr. Miller. Stop. Mr. Miller, your time's up. Your time's up. Mr. Miller, Mr. Miller, your time is up, okay? Your time's up. Please step down. I'm going to close this public hearing, and we're going to move on to the next. Mr. Miller, Mr. Miller, please sit down. Mr. Miller, please sit down. Mr. You know what? This space is a, everyone here has a right to be heard. We have scheduled public hearings. And, and I am, my job as chair is to make sure that everyone in this room, when they come to speak at a public meeting, that they have a right to be heard. And our scheduled public hearings are very specific. So if you want to speak about something else, Mr. Miller, you can wait till the end of the meeting. 
So we'll move on to our next public hearing. This is a public hearing on an application filed by Saugatuck Brewing for the transfer of an industrial facilities exemption certificate that was originally issued to Golden Age Brewing LLC for a project located at 1504 Plainfield Avenue Northeast. So I'll open up this scheduled public hearing uh, with our economic development director, Mr. Gracia. He can tell us about this. And then if you are here to be heard on this item, again, this is very explicit to the industrial facilities exemption certificate transfer, then you can come up and speak after that. Mr. Gracia? Yes. Good evening, commissioners. So this is a public hearing to consider the transfer of this industrial facilities exemption certificate from Golden Age Brewing to Saugatuck Brewing Company, Inc. Um, as you, uh, the current location is the 1504 Plainfield Avenue Northeast, and unfortunately, um, Creston Brewery did cease operations at the property, but Sagatok Brewery has acquired the uh, assets, certain assets formerly owned by Sagat or, uh, Creston Brewing, and are now uh, looking to open up here in the um, near future in this fall. In, in order to uh, do so, we are seeking to transfer that industrial facilities exemption from 2015 to Saugatuck Brewing. So that current exemption is set to expire um, December 30th, 2027, and we have a representative, Mr. Gillette, from Saugatuck Brewing to provide some overview of the project himself. Thank you, Mr. Gracia. Welcome, Mr. Gillette. Good evening. Good evening. And thank you. My name is Rick Gillette. I'm president and CEO of Saugatuck Brewing Company. I'm very happy to say that the application process is near uh, completed. We have the MLCC very near to uh, approving our license, the health department, and so on. We've been eyeing the Grand Rapids area for quite some time. Um, very interested in, in bringing our, this would be our third location into Grand Rapids. And when we, when I opened up discussions with the owners of uh, Crescent Brewing, it was before the pandemic, and I fully intended that they would be operating up through the process that we are going through right now. Unfortunately, <clears throat> excuse me. Unfortunately, they had to make the decision, very tough decision, that they had to close down. Um, we are, are in the process of hiring. We will have uh, 35 to 40 people, employees. Uh, we have most of those hired already. Very excited about opening up the second floor banquet facility. If you haven't been there, it's a beautiful facility. Um, we will be operating basically the same as uh, Creston operated. Very few changes, new menu, uh, you know, those kind of changes, some cosmetics, but pretty much just keeping it the neighborhood pub that it was. That fits into what we have in Douglas and in Kalamazoo, and we're really excited about doing that. Um, I, again, I'm very excited about coming into Grand Rapids. I uh, appreciate your uh, Looking at this abatement um, would obviously be very helpful to us. Um, and if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer. Great. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, any questions for either Mr. Uh, Grassi or Mr. Gillette? Okay. Thank right. you. Yeah, thank you. So if you're here tonight to be heard on this industrial facilities exemption certificate, you may now come forward. Again, we ask that you share your name and the city that you live in, and you'll be given up to three minutes to speak. All right, seeing none, we'll close that public hearing and that will be referred back to our, I believe, Committee of the Whole. Yep, that'll come back to us at Committee of the Whole. Mr. Gillette, thank you for being here tonight. 
right, next that will take us to our third scheduled public hearing, and this is a public hearing to consider an amendment to the project plan and the issuance of bonds of the Economic Development Corporation of the City of Grand Rapids, and this is for the Beacon Hill at Eastgate Phase 3 project. Go ahead, Mr. Gracio. Yep, good evening. So this is the public hearing to consider this amendment uh, for Phase 3 project at Beacon Hill. Uh, of the original issuance by the uh, Economic Development Corporation. Um, the project plan amendment incorporates routine maintenance and renovations to existing facilities, but will not alter the actual footprint of the current location. Um, the internal renovations are approximately $1.5 million, and I want to call attention to a couple, just one important uh, change in the memo itself. So this um, memo states it's not to exceed 11 million, it's actually $15 million. It is accurate in the uh, resolution, but just wanna make sure we understand that. Um, so the not to exceed amount of $15 million. Um, again, the uh, EDC nor the city have any financial exposure, and this is simply a pass-through as we've done with other projects. And um, it only, uh, these, uh, to give some overview of the capital improvements of the project itself, we'd ask the, Mr. Higley from the, uh, Beacon Hill to come talk a little bit about the project and why they're seeking this uh, refinancing. Thank you. Good evening, welcome. Good evening, Mayor Bliss. Good evening, commissioners and staff. Uh, my name is Jeff Hughley. I'm president CEO of Beacon Hill. And uh, I think many of you are familiar with our organization. Uh, this is our uh, sixth or so time seeking uh, the uh, funding through the conduit of the EDC has just been an incredible uh, mechanism for our organization to gain low-cost access to capital, which has allowed us to pass through great uh, value to seniors. We've got over 400 of your citizens now living at Beacon Hill um, in a variety of settings, assisted living, memory care, skilled nursing, and independent living. Um, the VISTAs, which is our newest project under development right now, is expected to open in November and has already established a waiting list of its own. So we're, we're really in a good position. I think the city should be uh, tremendously proud of the strives that, uh, that the work is being done uh, in the third ward to serve the community. We employed about 225 uh, staff, and many of them come from the city. So uh, we're really in a great place. And I, I just want to thank you all uh, for, for the support. Uh, the, these funds, especially the new money that we're seeking, is going to be used to help uh, renovate some of the spaces that are now about 11 years old. So it's, it's hard to believe that we've been around that long, but uh, uh, we're at a place where we feel like we need to get ahead of any, uh, any maintenance requirements. So a uh, new bistro will be renovated, and we've got a variety of other uh, work being done for lighting, uh, paint, wallpaper, and that sort of thing. So I would love to entertain any questions. Thank you, Mr. Hughley, for okay. being here. Commissioners, uh, Commissioner Moody or Commissioner Lanieri, I know you've been actively involved in this. Any questions or comments? No? Commissioner Moody, did you? All right. So if you are here tonight to be heard on this item, you're welcome to come forward. Again, these are the uh, issuance of bonds through our EDC for this project with Beacon Hill. All right, seeing none, I'll close that public comment period. And commissioners, this is going to be taken up in a few minutes under our city commission resolutions. 
All right, that will take us to our fourth opportunity for, uh, actually it's our fourth scheduled public hearing tonight. So tonight, uh, this body is sitting as an appellate body. So we are uh, available to hear appeals and this is specific to special assessment nuisance rule 8762. So if you wish uh, to, oh, well, Paul is here and I'll just turn it over and you can tee this up. So uh, this is our fourth scheduled public hearing for special assessment nuisance rule 8762. Good evening, Mayor and City Commissioners. Um, back in July, the City Commission authorized the assessor to create a special assessment role for unpaid charges for services or code violations that are due and payable to the City of Grand Rapids. These stem from January 1st through June 30th, and these are from miscellaneous services such as housing violations, rental certifications, or maybe blight monitoring. monitoring. Uh, property owners were sent notices on July 29th and notified of the charge in the appeal process. The special assessment role has been open for public inspection for the required two weeks starting back July 29th through today. And in addition, the assessor's office also posted the entire special assessment role to the city's website. The, um, our office has received 13 appeals to date, but tonight is the last opportunity to hear appeals. And um, myself and the deputy city assessor will be in room 921 to fill out any appeal forms. And um, that's it, we'll hear appeals. All right, thank you. Thank you. So is anyone here tonight um, to appeal this nuisance roll? So this is nuisance roll 8762. All right, seeing none. I will go ahead and close that public hearing and that'll take us to our city commission resolutions. We have one city commission resolution tonight. That is a resolution approving the project plan amendment and the issuance of bonds for the economic development corporation of the city of Grand Rapids Beacon Hill at Eastgate phase three project. Moved. All right, moved and supported. Uh, Commissioner O'Connor, you wanna tell us a bit about this? Yeah, I mean, this is just uh, in relation to the um, uh, public hearing we just had and so this is our formal uh, adoption to uh, be the conduit from which those funds can pass through to assist Beacon Hill in the uh, refinancing so they can do the work on their project. Thank you. Commissioners, any questions or comments? All right, seeing none. Uh, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, it carries. All right, thank you and thank you again Mr. Hughley for coming tonight. All right, that will take us to our last opportunity for public comment. Again, this is public comment uh, related to any other item. Uh, the same rules apply. We ask that you share your name, the city that you live in, and we'll give you up to three minutes to speak. We also ask that you write your name on the clipboard so that it is accurately documented in the minutes. All right, yeah, we'll go ahead and open up public comment. Hello again, my name is uh, Christian. Uh, I think the third war is where I uh, reside in. Um, here to mostly talk about uh, obviously the GRPD um, and their uh, racist tactics that continue to plague the black community um, today. Uh, obviously, we were all witness to the video that came out recently where Grand Rapids Police Department actually went over their jurisdiction lines to a McDonald's on 28th Street in Kentwood. Um, where they held a young black man who's only been in Grand Rapids for two months at gunpoint after uh, racially profiling him off his backpack. Me, a uh, brown 
Mexican man in Grand Rapids has been uh, racially profiled by Grand Rapids Police Department and the Wyoming Police Department before. First time was because I was wearing the same color hat as the perpetrator. They asked for my ID. I was 16 years old. Um, I'm also here to talk about uh, the Grand Rapids Police Department and defunding it. Um, it could, they continually show us that their main goal is not community policing. It is to police the streets so that black people aren't able to walk them. Um, and not only black people, but people of color in general. They only protect the interests of the elite, which mice mostly compose of white people in the United States. And they continuously, over four incidents just this year, have targeted black people at gunpoint. As we saw the first incident, a man was um, <clears throat> punched in the face multiple times of police department and the own police department investigated themselves and found no wrongdoing. The second time, the police kneel on a man's back, just like they did George Floyd last year in May of 2020. Um, the third incident, obviously, was this Isaiah incident. I'm not going to name names, but there was an incident of a black man being held at gunpoint. And the fourth incident that I'm talking about is a new video that was actually just a week after that incident where the police department um, was arresting a suspect. And as he was put in handcuffs, another police officer who was holding him at gunpoint came from a behind the door and actually held the gun to his head as he was handcuffed. Is that really what we want from police department? Police holding guns to handcuff suspects? Handcuffed. He wasn't free to use his hands or his, he wasn't free to do anything. A police officer had him in his hands and he put the gun and she, the police officer, she pointed the gun at him as he was handcuffed. That's really what we want our police department doing? That's really what we want doing? I'm calling for the defunding of GRPD because they continue to harass activists like they did last night on the curl of Pearl Monroe, where it's now continued Breonna Taylor way. We had a permit to use noise amplified devices and Sergeant Hornster of the Grand Rapids Police Department came and harassed the president of Family Over Everything, a permit, saying that he needed to turn it down or she needed to turn it down or they will be arrested. Thank Do you. your job. Thank you, your time's up. All right, others who wish to be heard? Hello, I'm Jalen. I'm from Grand Rapids, um, downtown. After going to GVSU for political science and sociology, I realized I might have wasted those years of my life. Wasted them to learn how society really functions, and I'd be a lot better and happier had I not. Because it makes you remember things that people should forget. Rosalind, do you remember what you said after the May 2020 riots? I do. You said, this is not who we are with fervor and conviction. Who are we then, say you, Rosalind? This is who we are, and this, is, this view is purely my own. We should stop doing your job for you by coming here. You know what my biggest gripe with history is? Hijacking and stealing. We come here informing you of what discontents the public, then grassroots movements get their platforms hijacked by this hollow facade of progressive politicians that do just enough to resemble what it means to care and just enough points win to get reelected, then stop. I don't think we should lower the budget to 32% because I know how people actually think and work in this country. We should raise the GRPD budget to 51% effective immediately. Because money doesn't change you, it makes you more of what you already are. It's like boiling a frog. You know, they say when you raise the temperature slowly, you won't notice it the same as if you started off boiling. At one point, what was the budget for the GRPD? What, about 40%? What's another 11%? 
Activists are not perceived as needed in the way society is now. We're treated as a nuisance. You're gonna succeed in making Grand Rapids a cool city and a paradise for the haves, and I'm sure that once this happens, the public will not care about your methods. They never do. You know what changed the course of the civil rights movement? Children. Little girls being blown up inside of churches and videos of children getting hosed. Video of a nine-year-old girl having her arm gnawed at by a German shepherd. That was enough to shock the conscience of the public, the white public, to say that racism is wrong. They never cared about black and brown adults, but magically, kids. But times have changed. We see black and brown babies like tigers and lions. Cute little babies, but when they grow up, they need to be put behind bars. Look at Adam Toledo. That's how far we've been demonized. So give me that world. I'm tired of waiting. Give the GRPD drones. You're right. Crime is changing and the police are helplessly behind and facing increasingly sophisticated criminals. Take off the speed limit on what the police can and can't do. It should be so bad to where the family dog of a black family isn't safe. Because at the same time, neither will the family dog of a white family be. That's the only time this country has ever seen that a problem is a problem, when it hits your home. You don't know why it needs to be 32% until you see why over half of every dollar gets sent to the police and it only gets worse. So that's who we are, Rosalind, just in case you were still wondering. Thank you, Jalen. Others who wish to be heard? Hi, it's Lou again. I wasn't planning to come back up, but after witnessing what Mr. Miller has done countless times, I feel like this is something that needs to be touched on. We had a meeting adjourned two, two months ago, roughly, for someone going past their time and speaking on something out of term. You had the meeting adjourned, so you couldn't give us public comment. On things that we asked you about, you gave us nothing back. Instead, you had the meeting adjourned. Yet you let Mr. Miller come up here. In every meeting, he targets people. He harasses people in, within this audience, typically within the front row. And that's not making this a safe spot. Similarly to what GRPD in the city has done to Donnie Santiago, why don't you ban Mr. Miller from City Hall like you banned a black man from Rosa Parks Circle this summer? That's the reality of how this city works. You're allowing this white, older gentleman to come in each week and insult, harass, and target people within this room, within this community, without stopping it. Yet you can ban a black man from Rosa Parks Circle for advocating and peaceful protesting. He broke no major laws. He didn't violate he didn't violate any civil rights infractions. He followed his constitution. So I hope that we can start running the city and these meetings a little bit better so that we're not being harassed by someone on the mic. Thank you, I yield my time. Hello, I'm back up here again. My name is Allie, the president of Justice for Black Lives. And as per usual, I'm calling um, up here to demand that the Grand Rapids Police Department is defunded to 32%. But specifically, I'm here to touch on the subject that happened on September 3rd. I'm sure you guys have seen my face a lot of times because I made a TikTok video about it. But most importantly is the fact that you guys realize that the Grand Rapids Police Department made not national news, but international news for wrongfully arresting a black man after he was leaving his job. Not only did they arrest him, 
They held him at gunpoint and they communicated in their statement. They said, this man expressed that he was feeling suicidal. And that is our reality. That is our reality. That is how people treat the mental health of black people all the time. Do you not understand how triggering it is for a black man? Not only a black man who's lived here. He's just, he just got here not two months ago. Welcome to Grand Rapids. Here's a gun in your face. We need to do something about the Grand Rapids Police Department. I watched that video live and I thought I was going to witness them killing someone. That is not okay. It's not okay. Eventually, I've been saying this, eventually the Grand Rapids Police Department is going to kill someone and it's going to be a big issue. Why not get ahead of the curve and stop it before it happens? Why do we have to wait until, oh, what if, what if this, what if that? No, we need to stop it now. This man was targeted for the color of his backpack on a Friday, which is a school day, in the second largest city in Grand Rapids. Imagine how many other people have that same colored backpack. And you said, oh, well, race had nothing to do with it. That makes it so much worse. It makes it so much worse because it shows that you went after the first black guy you saw with a backpack on. Not only does it show how racist the Grand Rapids Police Department is, it also shows their response to mental health situations is horrible. You mean to tell me that if I express that I'm suicidal, you're going to put a gun in my face and do the favor for me? I'm also demanding that these charges against this man are dropped immediately. He had no reason to be stopped by the police in the first place. And even, even when he was on the ground with his hands out, showing that he had no weapons, he was charged with resisting and, and attempted assault and destruction of property. How can you destruct property with hands behind your back? How can you assault someone with your hands behind your back, not even two inches apart? How is that possible? The Grand Rapids Police Department constantly gives people these BS charges just to prove that they didn't do anything wrong. Defund GRPD, Black Lives Matter. Thank you, your time's up. All right, others wish to be heard? My name is Martha Cooper. I live in the city of Grand Rapids, and I'm damn near ashamed. I love this city. The people in it are amazing, and it is nothing like what it was 20 years ago. Now we've got Art Prize and stakeholders. All I'm going to say is I came up here. I've been thinking for a week about talking about GRPD, all right? But then I read an article, and that article is full of numbers. And I love to come up here and tell you guys numbers because it really does paint a picture of what's important to you. But I saw that video. I also saw on May 30th, my birthday, okay, that the police started that so-called riot. I watched it on Facebook Live, as did one of our commissioners, okay? I saw that they escalated the situation by setting off all of the sirens. I saw that they came out parading in their military uniforms, and then a line of guys comes behind in more military uniforms, pulling out gas masks. It was physical. It was verbal. It was audio. It was intimidation of a crowd so angry and so hurt. Then it was called escalation, and you got, they got the riot they planned on because they created it. And so, 
in this circumstance, how many cops? And there was a dog, and they came because they were looking at something else next door. But you guys don't think that having that many cops with dogs and guns out is escalation. It is. And it's buck-breaking. It's what they used to call it in the old days where they were trying to intimidate everyone else to not go against the white master. And I'm going to call it exactly what it is. And now I'm going to get to the numbers because this is what's really obscene. I see something. One minute. GRID. And Jeff Smith is a great journalist as well as an activist. Grand Rapids Institute for Information and Democracy, if you want to know. Because the fact is, is our media isn't telling us what's going on. They're not telling us that we've got a transformational 12 expanding the play area of downtown. But I've been speaking about public-private partnerships and how we don't need an aquarium for 200 million, Grand River Greenway Initiative, 500 million, convention center and hotel, 400 million, move the post office, for whom, who are we moving it for, 70 million, airport tower, 60 million, amphitheater, do we need an amphitheater, who said we needed one, did the city and the residents say we needed one, no, I thought I heard them talk about affordable housing, but instead, we want to get a, a new, new convention center hotel for 40 million, an amphitheater for 40 million, GRCC, safety training center for first responders, 45 million, and nowhere has this city talked about police reform, Martha, your time's up. All right, others who wish to be heard? Billions! Billions! Others who wish to be heard? Billions! Hi, it's me, Rosabelle, again. I'm uh, housed in the Grand Rapids community, and I just want to help you guys with your job because I'm sure you get pretty disconnected from uh, lower class and working class people doing the work that you do. It probably is very busy, so I'm here to share you my experiences and stories listened to from family members and community members in the city and other places. Um, I just want to remind everybody, no matter how much money you make, you are one crisis away, one medical issue away, one child away, one anything from being unhoused, from being in a rough situation. And remember that. Remember that when you look at these community members on sleeping on the streets and things like that. That can be you. It's not that far-fetched. You're much closer to that than being a billionaire. And I know that because people on the streets that I've talked to, they've had jobs in medical fields, high-paying jobs. Uh, one woman had a child and developed BPD, uh, which turned into her not being able to get help and turning into drugs and alcohol for that. And now she's left on the street to take care of that child as much as she can. Um, my father, who's a privileged white man, grew up the ladder and uh, thought he had it made until the 2008 crash. And unless he had my uncle, uh, he would have been on the streets. Um, I would have been on the streets as a teenager. But I had that privilege. And a lot of people don't have that privilege. So they need the state. They need the government to provide something. Because that government is also taking things away from them. Bring in the police department. They make our jobs helping the unhoused impossible. People that go through the, the prison system, anything, there's no reform involved. It's just strictly punishment. It's harassment. It's kicking. It's moving people around. And I'm going to bring up Heartside again because it was so heartbreaking to see tents being thrown away. And that didn't just happen at Heartside. We tried to find places 
for, to move people because we can't depend on the just the churches providing these these shelters that also have a million horror stories and play favoritism and a lot of people don't want to go to those places they feel safer in tents they feel safer in their own communities with winter coming up we need to have spaces for them to set those safe spaces up we need a permanent spot where I can go and give these people what they need to survive through the winter without a cop coming by and saying they need to vacate the premises because somebody doesn't like how it looks. You know, I'm sure they don't like how it looks either. I'm sure they want to be in a house. I yield my time. Thank you. Others wish to be heard? Good evening. <clears throat> My name is Barbara Howard. I've been a resident of Grand Rapids for some 40 years. I am a member of a number of housing-related activist groups, and it has been brought to our attention that many landlords who have gone without rent payment during the pandemic are now choosing to refuse the federal funds made available to assist people now facing eviction. The Grand Rapids Tenants Union reports receiving requests for assistance from renters who have attempted to apply for these funds only to discover that their landlords have chosen to evict them anyway. Although we had no control over the decision to give landlords this option when the Federal Recovery Act was passed, we do have control over how we respond. As members of a commission elected to serve the, the residents of Grand Rapids, it is within your power to assist the residents of this city who are facing eviction and as a result, permanent homelessness if these landlords are allowed to follow through with their intention to evict. So my questions to you all tonight with regard to this situation are the following. One, is the city monitoring this situation in order to determine just how many people stand to be evicted because of this hidden option? Two. Is the city putting pressure on these landlords to accept the funds available in order to prevent evictions in the form of, say, incentives or fines? And lastly, if the city is not interested or committed to helping these residents avoid eviction, what strategies are in place to adequately respond to the increase in, the, in homelessness that will inevitably result from taking no action? This would consist of increased funding for good housing, adequate housing, and social services that are needed for a larger homeless population. I and many others who are working to increase the availability of affordable, truly affordable housing in the city, as well as seeking a more humane approach to the treatment of the homeless, unlike the abuse we witnessed last December, we would like real-time and factual answers to these questions. These are your constituents, real people, many with children, who now face the trauma of having nowhere to live through no fault of their own. You may be their last line of hope, and I'm asking you to step up and make people your priority, not landlords, not developers, people people who elected you to serve and support our community and the dire needs of all its residents. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can one of you? Susanti. 
Hi there, my name is Cherie. Um, I'm a citizen of Grand Rapids. I'm here today to talk about housing. And it's really distressing because there are so many facets of housing that are so in dire need of help right now in Grand Rapids that it's difficult to choose one part of it to speak about. But today I am talking uh, about the SARA funds. Um, I did reach out to my commissioners to see how much money was left of those funds for individuals to receive rental assistance. And I didn't receive a response. Um, and I have not seen the city push um, to let more people know about uh, the assistance that's available. Nevertheless, uh, my comrades and I have been going out, letting people know that this money is available. And time and again, I hear the same thing as I uh, applied for assistance and I never heard back. And I find this to be absolutely um, rehensible. Um, citizens shouldn't use government um, assistance and never receive a response. Um, I would like the commissioners to use their power um, to make this right. Uh, as citizens, we can only do so much with our activism. Um, people in higher power will not listen to us, um, even if we're pleading on our knees for help. Um, so we really need your help um, to make sure that we find a solution to this. That money can be used to hire more people to process applications. Um, so I'm not really sure where the holdup is going, but I, um, I'm confident that you can find out where the holdup is going and um, find a solution to that. Um, I just feel like the actions of our government as a whole aren't responding to the urgency of this situation. Um, as the previous person said, uh, once you're evicted, you pretty much are assigned to homelessness because landlords do not accept um, an application with an eviction on it. So um, we need to get on top of this and make sure people aren't evicted in the first place. Um, I also wanna say that this money can be used uh, for emergency housing. We have enough problems in this city with housing to spend that $39 million in one day. So I don't want it sitting in a bank or sitting in a national reserve anywhere. I want it spent because we have people on the streets and like everyone said, it's gonna be winter. So um, that's all I have to say today. Thank you, I yield my time. Thank you. All right, others wish to be heard? Hi, my name is Gus, and I'm here in support of the Justice for Black Lives Matter organization. I've come here today to demand a few things. First off, we need to defund GRPD down to 32%. A larger police budget and presence does not deter crime in any capacity. If that were true, we should see crime rates declining, but the stats show that they are not. It's time to move away from the police and invest in actual crime pre prevention by funding the communities that need it. We also need to have GRPD get their own liability insurance because taxpayers should be responsible for the police's messes. Secondly, I have a not so fun fact. To become, to become a cop in the state of Michigan, I would need a minimum of 600 hours and then I would be out on the field wielding a gun at innocent people. However, to become a licensed cosmetologist in the state of Michigan, it takes roughly 1,500 hours. It takes almost three times the amount of training to cut hair than it does to uphold the law. That should terrify you. That should send fear through every person in this room. Going off of that, let's talk about the incident that happened just a short time ago on the McDonald's on 28th Street. It is abhorrent 
that for one black man who is innocent, there is about two dozen police there, roughly five marked cop cars, and then about four more unmarked. His co-workers were there, saying that he worked there, that he was there to pick up his check, that he had been in that establishment for the past two hours. For one black man to be surrounded by two dozen police, guns drawn, while he was handcuffed, hands behind his back, is frankly ridiculous. This could have been avoided had GRPD used just a little of their brains and saw that this man was not their guy. Chief Payne stated publicly that he only has one charge against him, but that is not true. He has felony charges against him, and I want to demand that these baseless charges be dropped. JRPD has once again abused and traumatized an innocent community member who is struggling with mental health and will most likely continue to have severe PTSD from this event from the rest of his life. While this man suffered abuse and trauma, I saw cops pulling out of the McDonald's in their vehicles. I saw that they were laughing, they were smiling, they were joking around as if they had just left a picnic instead of brutalizing a black man. It was disgusting. It was inhuman. Also, let me be clear. Innocent or not, this was a complete overreaction and blatant abuse of power and should never have happened. Lastly, as people have mentioned before, it's getting colder. We are also entering our... When I was in elementary school, we learned about basic needs of animals in order to survive. They need clean water, food, and shelter. None of those basic needs are being met for our unhoused community. Why do wild animals have a higher standard of living than our own community members? You all need to do something. Defund GRPD Black Lives Matter. All right, others wish to be heard? Good evening, Madam Mayor, Commissioners, and City staff. My name is Janet Zahn. I'm a first ward resident and one of the co-chairs of the Grand Rapids Climate Resolution Coalition, whose goal is for the city of Grand Rapids to commit to community-wide carbon neutrality by 2030. I want to start by first acknowledging the work, the important work of those who have worked on the other two resolutions that are being considered. Our coalition statement is a little bit longer than three minutes, so it will be read by two of us. Our coalition has 57 member groups. It's widely diverse with the likes of the NAACP, Latino Community Coalition, People First, Michigan United, Proactive, the three largest neighborhood associations, Link Up, and Sunrise GR, among many others. Even though we are less than delighted with our resolution not being considered, we want to work with the city and any other entities addressing the climate emergency with an equitable lens. Right now, Grand Rapidians have no protection against the gentrification bound to occur as wealthy people and corporations from flooding coast relocate to Grand Rapids, among many climate refugee issues. Not only do we have an affordable housing crisis, already noted by many others this evening, there is nothing codified by the city to ensure rental housing or new construction is even energy efficient, let alone carbon neutral. Commissioner Sunita Lanier pointed out this morning at the Committee of the Whole when discussing another proposed resolution to declare racism as a public health crisis that equity is now embedded in the city's work, as it should be. We want the city to also embed the climate emergency in all of its work as well. That being said, the people in our coalition and hundreds of other individual supporters look forward to working with the increasing staff at the Sustainability Department and the C4 especially. 
Recent meetings have proven to be a good stepping stone to tackle the climate crisis together by voicing concerns and brainstorming ways to advance mutual goals of environmental justice and climate change mitigation and resilience. The recent report from the IPCC to the United Nations is very clear. We do not have till 2040 to reduce our city emissions alone. By 2025, we need to flatten the curve on climate change. That means we have three years to stop increasing emissions worldwide. And by 2030, we need to have significantly lowered greenhouse gas emissions. I'm gonna hand it over to Tara. Okay, thank you, Janet. Hi, Hi welcome. Good evening, my name is Tara Workman. I'm 15 years old and I am also here representing the Grand Rapids Climate Resolution Coalition. Uh, but more than that, I come here today as a citizen of your city. I've grown up in and around Grand Rapids for my whole life. This has been my home and I've never known anywhere else. Another constant in my life has been climate change. I don't remember the first time I heard the words climate change. I don't know the time when I realized how this human created phenomenon was threatening my future. It was just always like this. I've never known anything else. I've never been able to think about my future without that thought nagging at the back of my head that reminds me that I don't know what the world will look like as I grow up. So I'm here urging you to act for my generation. When it comes to climate action, Grand Rapids needs to be a leader for other cities and states, like we have in many ways with Mayor Bliss and George Hartwell before her leading the charge on sustainability efforts. We know that this is an enormous challenge we face globally, nationally, and locally. It will require creativity, faith, and determination to solve the existential crisis that is before us. Going forward, as a coalition, we want to see, first, the city create a plan for community-wide carbon neutrality, Second, a timeline that reflects the urgency of the scientific data and also the need to protect people's lives, people who are being affected by climate change in Grand Rapids right now and who will be the most vulnerable in the future. Our goal must be carbon neutrality by 2030. Third, the city embedding bold climate goals into all aspects of the master planning process and city operations. And four, direction from the city so that residents can advocate for the same statewide legislative changes that the city has prioritized to make Michigan a state where carbon neutrality is even an option. We need the city to lead the community-wide charge towards carbon neutrality and with a much greater sense of urgency. The good news is that our city will be uh, better positioned to receive federal and state funding um, to do this critical work if the city demonstrates a very strong position and plan. And pretty much everything we change in response to climate change will make our community better. Uh, less asthma, asthma from polluted air um, and community, healthier communities is one example, but the list that shows how our quality of life will be so much met, bet, better is almost endless. It will also help guarantee that young people like me have a chance to thrive and not struggle. Yes, these are lofty goals, and yes, it'll be really hard. We know that, but at this point, we have no choice but to be bold and commit to taking the action that is necessary. If bold climate action is not taken immediately, then you are failing the city, you're failing the minority communities that are most affected by climate change, and you're failing my generation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tara. All right, others wish to be heard. Hi, welcome. Good evening. Um, I'm Sophia, I'm 15 years old, I live in the third ward, and I am also here to speak on behalf of the climate, Grand Rapids Climate Resolution Coalition. Um, growing up in this time and this place has forced me to think a lot about the world that's being handed to me and the world I will hand off to the next generation. 
Climate change has always felt like, a like it's looming over me, like an existential threat that I'm powerless against. With the most recent IPCC report showing that we are running out of time, my future and the future of all of my peers seems bleak. I am here tonight to ask the city to take swift, bold action. This is not a time for slow, steady change. This is not a time for timidness. As a representative of my generation, I'm calling on you to create a community-wide plan for carbon neutrality by 2030. I know this seems dramatic or drastic, but it is the only way we can combat this crisis with an urgency that the science demands. My future and all of our futures depend on the actions you take and the choices you will make. I hope you will make the right ones. I yield the rest of my time. Thank you. Thank you, Sophia. All right, others wish to be heard? Hi, welcome. Hi, Hi Mayor. Hi, Commissioners. Um, um, I just want to read a statement about what our proposal. So decriminalized nature is an educational and advocacy campaign with a goal to improve Grand Rapids resident health, including depression, end-of-life anxiety and suffering, and addiction. So I'm speaking today in support of the growing efforts to lift restrictions on psilocybin mushrooms and other naturally occurring entheogenic plants. Over 100 other cities across the US, including several in Michigan, seek to decriminalize in their communities. While legislation is being pursued at the state level in at least seven states, including this one. I've experienced depression for decades and gotten no help from traditional antidepressant medications. In 2018 and 2019, the US Food and Drug Administration granted psilocybin in entheogenic mushrooms breakthrough therapy status because of its effectiveness in the treatment of depression. Desiring to get some relief, I used mushrooms containing psilocybin to treat my depression. Um, and I have been free of depression ever since. The research is in. According to a massively growing collection of studies, which I hope you will access on our website, these plants and fungi have been incredibly effective in addressing PTSD, addiction, and numerous other mental health-related issues. PTSD leads to over 22 suicides a day by veterans of war. We must continue to care for those that have paid a high price to protect our freedom. With opiate-related overdose on the rise, new solutions that work need to be accessible. When the de decriminalization resolution is introduced, I hope you will listen to the overwhelming evidence and support or sponsor any effort to decriminalize these plants. These plants and fungi could help Grand Rapidians improve their health and well-being. Thank you. Thank you. All right, others wish to be heard. 
Hi, I'm Mary Reed Kelly. I'm from East Grand Rapids, but I'm here as a founder and board member of Decriminalized Nature Grand Rapids. As Chad said, we're an advocacy and educational campaign. And I've just learned so much over the last couple of years. Um, as Chad said, there is proof that these plant medicines can address uh, mental health problems, anxiety and depression, addiction, PTSD, including race-based trauma. So we feel that it's worth looking into. And um, I, as a mother and an older person who grew up hearing a lot of scary stories, um, really am focused on safety. So I wanted to read you this uh, little bit uh, published in 2016 in the Journal of Pharmacological Review, uh, which is um, published by the National Center for Biotechnology Info, part of the National Institutes of Health. Psychedelics are powerful psychoactive substances that alter perception and mood and affect numerous cognitive processes. They are generally considered physiologically safe and do not lead to dependence or addiction. Their origin predates written history, and they were employed by early cultures in ritual contexts. Studies of psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy in patients with cancer-related psychosocial distress have demonstrated positive relief of anxiety and depression. They've also shown positive benefit in treating both alcohol and nicotine addiction. And as Chad said, I invite you to uh, do more research at our website, decrimnaturegr.org. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, buenas noches. I am Reverend Mariela, and I live in the East Town area. And I am here as the equity advisor for Decriminalized Nature Grand Rapids. Our group is dedicated to educating the Grand Rapids community on entheogen plants, um, on entheogens, which means plant, uh, healing plants and fungi. I am originally from Cuba, and I was lucky enough to live for 45 years of my life um, with a healthy psyche. Throughout the throughout 45 years, even though I had experienced so many challenges in my life, I had never experienced trauma on PTSD until I moved here to Grand Rapids. As a woman of color in a country that does not care for people of color, as a woman in a patriarchal culture, the sexism and racism I have experienced, the microaggressions and the not so microaggressions, they finally took a toll on my psyche. And so I brought a prop because these days, I have learned a lot over the last year about the nervous system. The most modern interpretation of the, modern, of the um, human nervous system shows you that when you're up here, you're healthy, you're, you're content, and then you come down here for um, anxiety and your stress, and normally you can go between these two areas and be okay, but when you come down here, this is PTSD, this is trauma. This is what many call hell. This is the underworld, and I live down there. And now, as a minister, I had ministered to people with drug addictions, people who had lived down there for years. And I supported them, and I never judged them for their use of drugs, but I never fully understood until I lived down there. And so I went searching. For all, as, as any human being would do, I went searching for solutions, right? 
doctors, various modalities of therapies, I had insurance and I had that privilege to seek for something. But I also understood why people go to street drugs, because the level of desperation, the monsters that you face down there are unbearable. And so I was grateful to be introduced to entheogens plants that heal me and cure me from my depression and anxiety for, for, that took me away from the underworld and brought me up here. And so I speak about this with a heart full of compassion. I speak because I cannot in good conscience know about the healing benefits of these plants and or not educate others about them. Human beings have relied on plants for thousands of years for food, for medicine, and the scientific community is catching up with this, and we will know very soon, we will see very soon these companies come, right, and provide this medicine that will be inaccessible to many of us whose ancestors used this for thousands of years. Please do not let these venture capitalist companies come here and not let us have access to these plants and medicine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. All right, others wish to be heard. Good evening, Mayor Bliss, commissioners, city manager Washington, and city staff. My name is Dane Gates. I am a resident of the Third Ward. I would first like to speak regarding respect which is defined in Webster's College Dictionary as admiration for or a sense of the worth or excellence of a person. It is important to give respect to receive respect. It is a mutual endeavor. My major concern this evening as an advocate for affordable housing is emergency rental assistance distribution, a priority for the Grand Rapids City Commission during this catastrophic housing crisis as millions of marginalized residents face evictions which could result in more homelessness in our city. Time has passed for inaction, indecision, and indifference. It is imperative a plan is in place to assist residents most in need. I would also like to address climate change as an existential threat to our planet and support Grand Rapids Climate Action in their efforts regarding passing a swift and sustainable resolution. Further, I stand in solidarity with Justice for Black Lives and fellow residents in support of online public comment for inclusion of all Grand Rapids residents. In conclusion, I encourage City Commission's efforts of a resolution declaring racism as a public health crisis. Thank you. Thank you. All right, others wish to be heard. <coughs> Hello, my name is DeAndre Jones. Hold on, all right, that goes the time. Uh, my name is DeAndre Jones. Uh, I got a lot on my mind, so hopefully I get enough out. But uh, first of all, I'd like to talk about Kosech. I was uh, at the state capitol. I advise a woman named Lily Chang Shelton who ran for state representative that's running for state representative again. Uh, I'm also a precinct delegate for the 17th precinct, so I am an elected official. Might be the lowest part of the totem pole, but it's still important. And uh, I was there and there was this uh, Caucasian man and he said, and as they were advocating for a driver's license for all, he said, if you want a driver's license, go to Mexico. I'm like, dang. So I'm glad y'all are actually working on the uh, to 
declare uh, racism as a public health crisis because that is very disrespectful. People, one thing I don't like is when uh, Caucasian people act like we're not on stolen land. Like, I gotta follow laws by people. I didn't ask to be here. Or like, you know, everybody's not religious. Like, I don't believe, like, why do I have to answer to Jesus when I die? I didn't ask him to die for my sins. I mean, these are just things that, you know, I just don't, I don't things I want to say to people just because I just don't like how uh, these people are just very just rude and disrespectful. I feel like you should respect people's opinions and however they experience the, use, the universe, the world, whatever, the thing around us that we all live on. Also, uh, it's a lot of people talking about uh, problems within their ward. I know that the city of Grand Rapids has the participatory budgeting process. Uh, you guys, please do more marketing on that because the third ward, the second ward, and the, f and the first ward, I mean, there's all different problems in different wards. Of course, people care about affordable housing, but there are a lot of activists here. You guys need to look at you. I want to look at you guys, but I have to look at the city commission. You guys need to gather together because these are things that it's a lot of things that you guys talk about, like climate change. I believe that they need to pass the climate change resolution. There shouldn't be a reason why a brand name champion. I know everybody knows the brand name champion. They're literally going to be a 100 percent sustainable company in two years. How come the city of Grand Rapids with 200,000 people with billionaires can't be able to pass a resolution when we have a lot of African-Americans? This is the second worst city for economic development for African-American people. I guarantee if you go survey 100 of those black people within that community, you wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't tell you nothing about climate change. These people don't even know what's going on. Like they got kids that are here and they, they're going to grow up in a terrible environment and the gentrified environment. I don't believe, I really don't believe in, uh, I really don't believe in a lot of the work that's going on around here. Uh, I just really wish I see change because I'm out here. Also, I was, uh, on a, I was uh, canvassing at the MLK. I collected a lot of signatures. I'm happy to see those streets being changed to Franklin. I talk about I'm in the streets, but I'm also helping change the streets. So shout out to Justice for Black Lives because they did that, and that's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, DeAndre. All right, others wish to be heard. Hi, welcome. Hello, my name is Jessica Brenner, and I'm a lifelong resident of Grand Rapids. I'm here today to ask all of you to publicly condemn the actions of the GRPD from the last few weeks and say that you do not support the racial profiling, harassment, and wrongful arrests of the citizens of Grand Rapids. Our tax dollars are paying for the police to traumatize BIPOC members of our community, and they're not being held accountable. I know the budget is set for this year, but hopefully if you are reelected, you will change it and reform our police department to set a better example and actually protect the citizens of Grand Rapids. I would also ask that these meetings be made more accessible for people who cannot be present here and for phone calls and emails to be read. And please defund the GRPD and thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. All right, others wish to be heard? My name is Kirk. I live in the third ward. Um, I feel like we've had the same central issues repeated over and over again today. Issues that we have been bringing to the commissioners' meetings for months since while we were still in lockdown, way before they were in person. And I, I have some questions, not, not to directly ask you, but things that I'm confused about. Like, are any of the things that have been requested by members of the community unreasonable? I mean, think about, think about bringing the police budget down to 
Clearly that is reasonable because that's what it's supposed to be. Or what about making the meetings more accessible? Why, why can't people call in? Who is it harming to allow disabled members of our community call into a meeting instead of having to put themselves at risk by coming in person? What's stopping you? I also wanted to speak on the unjust arrest of many community activists and other individuals in Grand Rapids. I don't know how many of you have seen the videos. I know none of you have been, at least at the ones I witnessed. It's heartbreaking to look into somebody's eyes as they get arrested and see the hope leaving it. This is what Grand Rapids Police is doing to the community. People are afraid. People are being harassed in the street. And I should correct myself there, black and brown people are being harassed in the streets by Grand Rapids Police Department. We are members of this community. We come up here again and again because this is our time. You serve the community. So where's the action? What are you folks doing to change this? Or do you not think it's important? Because it's been months of the same requests, reasonable, valid requests, and nothing. But back to my, or my earlier point, um, the charges against Donnie Santiago need to be dropped. He has been repeatedly harassed by GRPD. The charges against Shauna Charles need to be dropped. They did nothing wrong. They shouldn't be having to face a lengthy legal battle for doing nothing wrong. Defund GRPD, Black Lives Matter. Right, others wish to be heard? Hi, my name is Mark and I'm from Grand Rapids. I got the email from the from you from for the uh, the uh, situation involving the incredible crumbling wealthy overpass. They're talking about they go do some patch up work, not good enough. Somebody's still gonna be having a hard time getting on the on ramps. Not good enough. That's all I'm gonna say about that for now. Now now I saw that video about the guy who was arrested at Mc, was on suspicion at McDonald's on 28th Street. And it was disturbing. Five or six units, including a canine unit, coming out of one individual who is, who is, who they say matches the description of a suspect who burglarized another building, all because he was waiting on his check. Not good. Compare that to what happened in Burlington, Vermont, where you have we had a white guy who was pulled over. Cops did nothing. They just let him run. They just let him drive off. 
And this is a, this is a man who has a rap sheet long as a bridge crossing Lake Pontchartrain, including 54 encounters with police this year alone. And yet, the cops did nothing. Why? Because they were afraid of him. And we talked about felonies, warrants for, warrants for his arrest, and suspicion of a hate crime. Because he took a shovel and knocked the black guy upside his head. Yet, they let him go. Why? Because the Freddy Cats of the Burlington Vermont Police Department are just that. They're Freddy Cats. I believe they're hiding something. Privilege has its advantages. There is no equality in this country. Never have been, never will be. And if you think People go come and toast marshmallows and say, kumbaya, and everything is going to be all equal, and everything is going to be all hunky-dory. Y'all have been brainwashed by the conservative white right-wing media. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, others wish to be heard? Hello, my name is Shauna Charles. Um, first, I'd like to say defund GRPD down to 32% and hold officers responsible with their own insurance, especially now considering the case of Isaiah, which has gone international. GRPD is gaining notoriety and not for positive reasons. Our city is not becoming famous for all of the things we want. All the gentrification, the updates, the, the renovations, that's not what we're being known for. We're known for the brutality. I, I asked someone in England, have you ever even heard of where I'm from? And they said, that's the place where they hurt the brown kids, right? That's pretty sad that a sweet English girl knows my city because of that. Our next off, um, demanding charges to be dropped for Isaiah, Donnie, Kurt, and Shauna, which are all instances of discrimination and a complete disregard for mental health which hits hard because my mom is a social worker. I've been raised around mental health my whole life. It's kind of sad. Our unhoused neighbors are not invisible and they should not be. I'm sorry that their tents offend you. Your presence probably offends them too. They're human beings just like you. Winter is coming and how many immoral things must we gain notoriety for before you realize that this city that you're attempting to create will fall if you don't fix the foundations, what, we're, what we are. The rate of crime is increasing, raising a budget that funds a toxic system rather than reallocating it for actual crisis response and community building is insane. Imagine if they were in front of you, what would you tell them when they express their trauma that they face, that you're doing the best you can? Mayor Bliss, you're trained in social work, but it appears that you turn a blind eye and I hope you don't. And. Commissioner Yasazi, you offered no public comment the other day because of your well-being. Unfortunately, I don't have that luxury. Um, part of me understands why it's so hard to open the eyes to the truth. You'd have to see the fault in your own ways. You can't hope it just goes away. But these are lives. People with souls, having the life beaten out of them in your streets, 
what's it gonna take for you to change something? Who has to be beaten? Who has to die? Who's next? I'd say it's your children, but chances are it's not. <laughs> so does it make it me? Find your morals before you allow things to go too far, and all of your mistakes, all of your ignorant dismissals, the blood and the lives brutalized return and destroy you. Pray that when that day comes, you don't have to bed for your lives like we do every day. That someone sees your pain and at the very least doesn't add to it. Pray that you fare better than we do when your privilege no longer protects you. Others wish to be heard? Good evening again. Kim, Kim Spring this time with the Grand Rapids Coalition Resolution. Um, Resolution Coalition, um, and we've had some really eloquent people speak tonight, but um, I just want to talk about hope. Um, we know it's hard to add anything to your plate, Mr. Washington. We know you have a city to run, a budget to manage, but we're lucky in Grand Rapids. We're not one of the hundreds, if not thousands, of communities that have lost a huge number of homes, businesses, schools, infrastructure to floods or fires. We don't have to invest in rebuilding from a disaster, at least not today. And it costs less in the long run to be proactive. Creating the green infrastructure and the laws needed to use renewable energy sources in this state and ensuring that housing and other buildings are energy efficient and lots more. Um, but there are some commitments the city can make right away that aren't very costly. Please, I urge you to include climate change solutions during midterm conversations about city priorities. Embed climate solution goals in all city operations and all master planning exercises. And include city residents in advocating strategies to change Michigan laws. Now, even these efforts do cost money because staff time equals money. Um, but hope springs eternal. And I have huge hopes for this body. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. All right, others wish to be heard? Hello, my name is Emily Oxford. I am a resident of the second ward. I'd like to start off today by once again advocating for the um, ability to be able to call into these meetings. Uh, as many people have you know, rightfully pointed out, this is not only an issue of accessibility. This is also an issue of safety in the midst of a pandemic. We have our screens here, we have our masks, but the Delta variant is still highly, highly contagious. Still, it can be very dangerous to even people who are vaccinated. And right now in Kent County, the numbers are not looking good. We are currently at 274 cases per 100,000 and a test positivity rate of about 12%. This would be one thing if it looked like the curve was flattening. It is not. It is still going straight up. So I really urge you for everyone's safety here, including your own, to allow call-in comments at these meetings. I would also like to uh, offer my support for the people here who have um, asked for more funding and support for uh, initiatives to combat climate change, because once again, this is not just going to be an issue 
later down the line. This is an issue not just for young people, but for everyone in this room. I remember when my parents were younger and I was younger, we would talk about climate change in sort of a hypothetical stance where my parents would say, oh yeah, that's going to be really hard for maybe not you to deal with, maybe your children and your grandchildren, forget it. They're not going to have a planet to live with. And that's just too middle-aged you know, people's perspective on the issue. But now their day-to-day -day lives and our, all of our day-to-day -day lives are being impacted by climate change from the wildfire smoke that we've been recently seeing in the upper atmosphere to the flooding that's been happening all over, all over the U.S., but also in Michigan to the hurricanes that are potentially going to disrupt our own energy supplies. So we really need to get working on this now. This is not something that is going to go away. And this will impact all of us within our lifetimes. Finally, I want to um, condemn the, the arrest at McDonald's of the young man who was collecting his check. I think I've spoken here before about issues with GRPD, transparency and accountability, and I sort of want to restate some of those things here. Right now, it doesn't feel like there's a great accountability structure in place to hold GRPD accountable you know, to their own, but also to their larger community. There is the Office of Oversight and Public Accountability, and I've spoken with people in that office, and they have been incredibly helpful to me and have been incredibly helpful in, you know, trying to reach out to members of the community, not to advocate for any one thing, but just to let them know they're available. I would suggest more funding and more resources to the OPA, as well as a real-time data sharing agreement between GRPD and the OPA so that there is no lag in data sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Welcome. Hello, my name is LaDonna Norman. I'm here to, I was going to talk about housing, but I would like to address the situation that happened at McDonald's. I'm a mother of black sons, so I can't be patient and I can't pacify my words to, for game face. Uh, so my example is I put my finger up and I push it back and it hurts. So I let up on it. So when the police are approaching somebody of color and their arms are going back, the natural instinct is to jerk and respond. That's what you call um, resisting arrest. It's the language. But how long do you expect folks to do it your way or do it the Grand Rapids way and be comfortable because you can't tell me to comply and abuse me at the same time. What I seen was very disturbing because I have sons, because I have grandchildren, I have to sit up here and I have to speak for them and I have to speak for every other person of color that has comes into an interaction with the police. We asked to defund the police because at the end of the day, we need some kind of mental treatment from what they do, that's traumatic, that's post-traumatic stress disorder from the police. And ain't no white person can get up here on this mic and tell me how it feels to be black. Because every day I live it. Every day I see my sons. If I'm not fearful for what the streets will do, I'm fearful what the police will do. And it's sad. It's sad that we sit up here and we pacify and we continue to fund people who's out of touch with the community. The 49507 is not predominantly black anymore. The services that you keep, the nonprofits that you keep giving money to, they need you and they don't have us. 
So what I'm asking you is to follow through. Whenever somebody comes up here with a complaint, make sure you follow through with it, whether it's housing, whether it's policing, whether it's uh, um, area and aging, I don't care. Make sure you follow up and make sure everybody's complaint is valid enough for you to sit here and take it in and understand. Because when you need us for your votes, you come straight here nothing said. We wrote for you, then you sit, you get comfortable, and you do nothing. The time is now. Let's lead by example. Let's be the change that's, that's needed. I'll discuss housing another time. But right now, we need you. We need you to understand the language and what happens when black people feel threatened by the police. It is not as easy as you think. That's it. That's all. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. All right. Others wish to be heard? Hello, thank you. My name is Julian and I live in Kentwood, uh, just below the third ward. Um, there are patterns that I think are unacceptable for any city to allow to continue, either directly or through lack of action. There are repeat incidents of unwarranted force against citizens who are working to make the city run, facing police harassment or even violence. There are also contradictions in what police directly say when threatening arrest and word from city attorney among other city leadership uh, that I believe are unacceptable. An example just occurred last night on the corner of Pearl and Monroe that I observed. After being told, in order for a family over everything, or from here on FOE, to be allowed to play music and hold the corner and uh, use sound amplification, they will need a permit from the city attorney. Uh, so, of course, FOE applied for it and obtained it. Um, now, from previous incidents with Donnie Santiago of Justice for Black Lives, uh, we are aware due to their arrests that it, a noise disturbance is not something that can actually be an arrestable offense the first time, but is actually ticketable. Um, and then additionally, we know that um, the noise ordinance um, takes into effect the volume at 100 feet needing to be below a certain level, not the um, what was told uh, being unable to be heard from a hundred feet. However, uh, last night, Dee Dee was approached by GRPD. They were told they were going to be arrested if they do not turn the music down to the point where it can't be heard. This threat is divorced from not only the baseline noise ordinance, but also from the maximum charge allowable per city bylaws, as well as removes any form of protection granted by the permits, making them, um, question why uh, seek one to begin with if the police are going to threaten arrest immediately out the gate while following uh, what the permit has uh, granted. There needs to be legal consistency and accountability needs to be held when these types of abuses present themselves, such as with this case from last night featuring repeat abuser of rights through misinformation, Sergeant Hornstra. The inhumane charges against members of our communities, such as Isaiah's wrongful charges from the 3rd of this month, as well as the numerous charges that are filed and refiled just to fall through, wasting citizen and court resources, needs to be dropped. Um, this also includes uh, dropping the charges for Donnie Santiago, Kirk Schatz, and Shauna Charles. Additionally, I believe accessibility to these meetings is important. I'd like to voice a desire to bring back the ability to call in for public comment for everyone's safety, as well as the accessibility of members who cannot make such meetings in person. Um, thank you very much. I yield my time. Thank you.
Hi, my name is Abigail Bartlett. I co-chair the Grand Rapids Climate Resolution Coalition. I'm a member of Parents for Healthy Homes. Um, I live in greater Grand Rapids area because I'm gonna be real honest, it's expensive to live in Grand Rapids, um, particularly as a social worker, um, but I also do a lot of advocacy work within the city because I do know that Grand Rapids is a leader and will influence surrounding communities, influences the county. Um, yeah, and so, I come here tonight um, with the Grand Rapids Climate Coalition resolution. Um, first, I do wanna say thank you. I think Grand Rapids started out strong with climate work um, years ago, um, and I don't think we've kept up with that, which is unfortunate. Um, I think if the city, and particularly the state, wants to lead, um, I think Grand Rapids is one of the most populous areas, needs to do better. Um, and while I think we can count on some of those city things, a lot of the things that go unseen, um, I think the next part is being very disappointed in the participatory process. I think it's talked about, but I'll tell you as an evaluator who has done participatory, it's a hell of a lot of work. And it takes a lot of work from the city to really engage residents, and I hope that the city does a lot more of that. Um, and does that in a way um, that is very inclusive and is on the ground and includes community organizations that want to support the city, um, but don't always know what the city is doing. Um, and I also come today because I know that we are here because we hope for better futures. Um, I think as a millennial, um, I think I've lost a bit of steam and lost a bit of hope, and I'm often encouraged um, by the people I organize with, um, like the youth that spoke earlier. Um, and so I, I hope that um, while I think there are a lot of similar goals, I hope that the city continues to partner with grassroots organizations, not only with Grand Rapids Climate Resolution, um, but with Justice for Black Lives and with also for housing rights. Um, I think that the city is, the people are who make your city, um, and unfortunately the power dynamics often switch around. Um, and so I think the, the concrete asks, um, the city, offered up this resolution, um, and while it's a start, it's not the end. I think that the city is not um, pushing fast enough because unfortunately, um, we don't get 20 extra years to wait for climate work. And to be nicely said, some of us will be here longer than some of you on the board. Um, and unfortunately, we deal with those consequences also. So, um, so I think setting a date of 2030 and community education um, was spoken about. Uh, I think that there's a start, but it has not been fulfilled in a way that truly engages the work for community. Um, I think we have a due diligence to support BIPOC communities, um, as well as leaving a positive legacy for the city on climate change. Thank you. Thanks. All right, we'll go ahead and close that public comment period, and then I will turn to my colleagues, and I'll start down here with Commissioner Moody. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, it's been a pleasure to hear what everybody had to say tonight. Um, I do believe that uh, c climate control is a very important issue, uh, not just in Grand Rapids, but in the United States, period. Affordable housing is important and homelessness. And I think that as a city, we have been doing everything within our power to do the right thing and to make sure that we look at different avenues as to how to do that. As all of you had said tonight, I am also concerned about what I saw in the video as well, too. Um, it was uh, a little bit, for me, heartbreaking. But at the same time, I think it's important that before I make any comments, that I really find out what the investigation is going to take place 
and hopefully that that investigation uh, when it's done that we as a body will get some information and to take it from there um, thank you all for being here tonight appreciate you thanks commissioner commissioner o'connor no comment commissioner lanier thank you mayor um thank you to everyone who came out this evening um to share your remarks i think it's challenging to sit um on the dais during public comment because the the purpose of public comment is really our opportunity to hear from you um, and not an opportunity for dialogue. I think I have um, made myself available for people to reach out to me to sit down and have conversations and many of the issues that um, I've heard this evening on public comment, I've had some of those conversations. But what I think I'm going to do uh, moving forward is Every time we meet at 6.30, I'll make myself available in this room for anybody who wants to have dialogue as opposed to this one-way exchange that we have um, so that I can respond to anything that's being stated. So that's my commitment just to, again, lower the barrier um, and provide access to me personally to be able to have dialogue. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Commissioner. Commissioner Ruppert? Thanks, Mira. Um, I, too, want to thank everybody for coming out, spending spending your Tuesday evening with us. Um, I don't have much to say, but there are, I do want to celebrate the the action we took today to establish the Affordable Housing Fund. And it's not it wasn't established before. This is our we're just getting it rolling and I'm excited about it. We're going to put we're going to have almost six million dollars to to begin that work and Two more payment in lieu of taxes were approved at fiscal committee this morning, which will help put money into that fund in the future so that it can kind of keep rolling forward. And I was pleased to take place in a couple of ribbon cuttings um, last week, one right by Stocking Elementary, one by um, Southwest Community Campus. And the one by Stocking was an affordable housing complex, 50 units. Some of those units are only $315 a month. Uh, so exactly the type of housing that we're hoping to see bring, brought to the city right across the street from a school, some three-bedroom units for families. And the Cl Roberto Clemente Park by Southwest is one of the most uh, uh, fanciest parks in our city, right, right next to that school building, and all those students will be able to access it, which is very, very exciting to me. And then... Uh, my colleagues on this side of the dais got to go to the unveiling of the 49507 project, which I hope you will take time to check out. There are some incredible murals all done by um, black and brown artists in, in, in the places where black and brown people are going to walk past them. And uh, I just loved, their, I loved hearing about their process, how they engaged the community. They knocked on every door in Garfield Park. They did all this and they did some really incredible engagement and that and the fruit of that shows in the work and so um as we're we're learning about engagement better and better we'll continue to see these things that happen in the community and continue to try to to um implement them and incorporate them into what we do as a city so thanks again for for coming out tonight thanks commissioner commissioner sassy thank you um Thank you um, to all who prepared this, these agenda items today. We had a, a, a fairly long Committee of the Whole today, um, and I think a good opportunity to have some discussion. 
even though Commissioner Lanier took my time. No, just kidding. Uh, we, 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 we were a little time sensitive there at the end, but I appreciate the work that went into that. I think um, that's something that I continue to desire is to have more deliberative processes around this body. And I think that is, um, you know, a continued opportunity for us as we go into our mid-year planning. Uh, thank you to those who came and spoke about the Sarah Fund dollars. So that $38 million investment, and, and City Manager talked about that last, I think the last meeting, about if we would have done that on our own, we would have not been able to capture as many dollars. And so that was a concerted and I think the right decision to do that um, with the county. I've had a, a couple of other people reach out to me, and my past employer uh, was actually a site where individuals um, uh, could do the application. So I think there are a few things there that I'd appreciate some follow-up. Um, and I know that we are a little bit removed again because of those dynamics. So, but I will ask um, city manager and staff if we could get some follow-ups there as we get closer to the end of the year, Mayor. I know we've, t we've talked about that. Um, there have been a lot of events and things going on and activation. Um, and certainly, uh, I, th I think we we know that our prize is 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 kicking off, and also there are many other events that have happened this past weekend um, or yesterday. We got a chance to go to four nine five zero seven project, um, that was, you know, really sort of invigorating because it was individuals outside uh, looking at art. And quite honestly, the three students and I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry, I do not remember your name, students, but they uh, presented and performed poetry that was truly just moving and, and, and sort of put a, a little bit of light lightheartedness um, in, into me in terms of their experience of what, what it's like to live in Grand Rapids. So thank you to that organization. This past weekend was the 53rd anniversary of our Mexican Heritage Festival, one of the oldest ethnic uh, festivals here in the city. And I remarked to... Luke Canfield that it was <laughs> I almost had to leave there were so many people there that evening and but I view that as a positive to see people activated and hopefully you know doing that outside and being safe and in Creston we had our Creston after dark event another activation of arts and community and small business owners so I want to say thank you to city staff um Yvette Pittman and others on the team that work to make these events um you know come to fruition with with the organizers um, I also want to say, too, we talked about Welcoming Week. This week is actually September 13th through the 15th. It's considered Small Business Week by uh, our federal government. So uh, President Biden has proclaimed that and as a city that is committed to supporting small business and really looking to see who is a small business. Those solar entrepreneurs are creatives and looking at um, entrepreneurship as a true career pathway. Um, I was very happy to hear a few months ago that our Workforce Board West Michigan Works actually received a grant um, with exploration of entrepreneurship as one of the career pathways. So when we think about the creation of wealth, the opportunities to have more economic security, I think about the opportunity of small business. And now with my day job at Grow, that is uh, a really important connecting point. So you know, the reality is we are all in different privilege points. Some of us may be able to go out and enjoy a meal at a local small business. We might be able to add a little bit extra to our tip. There are also ways that we can support them by sharing something on a social, telling somewhere, somebody where you got something, if you purchased it in the past, if you feel you're unable to help um, to support them on a financial basis. So I know that small businesses truly appreciate that. And, um, you know, I'm very happy to see our continued commitment in the city to supporting our small businesses. So. Thank you. Thanks, Commissioner. Uh, City Clerk? Nothing tonight. City Attorney? No, thank you. City Manager? 
Thank, <clears throat> thank you, Mayor. My appreciation to the staff for all the work that uh, you've helped to put in to make this uh, evening possible and what you do day in, day out to help deliver services to our city. And I, too, was privileged to be part of the opening of uh, 745 Stocking, and that was an amazing uh, development. Lots of uh, partnership. We appreciate uh, MISHTA and their partnership as well. And um, not only are there affordable living units, but uh, the work-live units that allow people to, uh, to be entrepreneurs and do it in residence. And that, that is truly uh, an amazing development that solves a lot of our problems. We talked a lot about sustainability and climate change today. And earlier, we also talked about some of the pragmatic issues related to south, uh, solid waste disposal and recycling. And uh, there's a lot of things that we can do to improve our waste diversion uh, rate in this community. And we're going to need to collaborate with both residents and businesses to uh, make that happen and make that possible. So uh, I want to thank the commission earlier for also continuing the collaboration with the community and the uh, continued funding of the C4 initiative with the work that was done on um, fiscal committee this morning. And just to highlight the, uh, I saw Ms. Dean earlier this week when I was driving on Ottawa and others uh, with, with signs about uh, the continued uh, availability of rental assistance, uh, making people aware of that. And we continue to do that as well. And I heard a comment earlier about how much is left in the $38 million. And uh, there's about $17 million still available. And uh, I was part of a group this uh a meeting earlier this week, uh, talking to some of our community-based organizations and housing providers about ways to uh, incorporate uh, that funding as well as other funding that's available in our ecosystem with the new county administrator uh, for our unhoused uh, members as we begin to anticipate uh, some of the weather issues uh, coming this winter. So. Uh, lots of stuff happening. Um, I do appreciate all the work of the, the staff and, and and the feedback tonight. I mean, I, I want uh, everyone to know that uh, what, what you're saying is not uh, unheard, but these are very difficult issues. Uh, and we are um, juggling a lot in this organization, the city, and trying to address many of them. And I look forward to the discussion and prioritization of some of these, because if we're going, we're going to have to figure out uh, even more with more focus the things that we really, really want to focus on and do well and, and uh, make sure that we are um, focusing on the big rocks. So thank you so much, Mayor. Yeah, thanks, City Manager. And I'll, I'll just add a few thoughts. I'll try not to be redundant. Um, so uh, appreciate everyone who came out, especially the feedback on the proposed resolutions. Um, please continue to reach out and share your thoughts with us before that comes back before this body. Uh, appreciate um, those who showed up uh, with your concerns about CIRA. Uh, we have been, obviously, in, in conversations with the county and the United Way about that, but we share your concern. We want to make sure that those dollars are in the hands of families and individuals to prevent eviction. Uh, I have personally reached out to judges. I know our courts are aware of that, uh, and they are encouraging people to access those dollars. I've also met with the Rental Property Owners Association and Property Management. Uh, I assure you I am encouraging them to work with individuals uh, to access those dollars to make sure that people have 
stable housing and that they're not evicted. So we'll continue to do that work uh, and we'll follow up with United Way to see if there's anything else we can do to be helpful. Uh, also just wanna really celebrate the housing fund. I think uh, I wanna, I'd like to clarify as well that the housing fund was never connected to the land bank. So the land bank authority was a separate authority created under the county. The housing fund is something that this body established actually uh, a few years ago and, and allocated about $750,000. And what we did today was to allocate, uh, allocate an additional $5 million and set the structure on how those dollars will be spent. My hope is to build that fund to $25 million over the next several years uh, and really have a huge impact with how those dollars can be spent to specifically support low income and affordable housing throughout our city. Uh, and, then, and then also I just want to uh, really thank a couple of my colleagues around this table who have worked with community members. Uh, we did set a public hearing today for September 28th to uh, change the names of Franklin to Martin Luther King Jr. as well as Granville to uh, Cesar Chavez Avenue. And I know Commissioner Isasi and Commissioner Lanier have been active in that work for about a year and a half. <laughs> so thank you for your work. Um, I'm eager to have the public hearing next week and to move forward with that change because a lot of people in this community have been asking for it for a long time. So appreciate your work on that. Uh, and again, to the city manager and all the city staff, appreciate your work. Pardon? Mayor, I, I neglected to uh, remind the public uh, to continue to be safe during the pandemic and wear masks where appropriate and make sure you social distance. Thanks, city manager. With that, we are adjourned.